You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am live. It's just me. No Scott today. So he was at the game. He was in Ann Arbor. We were hoping to get the correspondence, but unfortunately he caught COVID and is not feeling too great. So uh, send over DMs to at SpartanMartin18. I'm sure he would appreciate it. Uh, and apologies for this getting out late this week. It's been very hectic at my house slash apartment. And um, yeah, just honestly haven't really had time. And it kind of works out a little bit because, man, I after that game and, and the aftermath of that game, I just didn't really want to talk about it. I, I didn't want to. I stayed so far away from the MSU football sphere for a couple days there for the first time in a long time because I knew, like, man, I can't log into Twitter because I know when I log into Twitter, it's just going to be toxic comment sections and didn't want to do that. So I I just kind of avoided all of it. I didn't really read a whole lot about it. I didn't really rewatch any of the video. I didn't get on the social media at all. And part of that was just not being able to really do the podcast. So here we are, or here I am, I guess, to go over the Michigan game and give my thoughts about everything. And then uh, I have some uh, some text from Scott that I, I can share as well. And then we're also going to preview the Illinois game here. So a little two for one for you. I basically just haven't really had the time. And it's usually a little easier to find the time when it's just me. I mean, it's easier to coordinate one schedule rather than two when Scott's here. But for some reason, whenever we're not actually sitting down and coordinating something together, it it puts all of the onus on me to, to actually do this. And to be honest, I'm busy. So... Uh, here we are. It's Wednesday, and I uh, finished up work for the day, and I figured, you know what? I got some time. Let's just knock out one big episode, the Michigan recap, the Illinois preview, and uh, we'll see where that goes. So, you know, it's really frustrating because I, 
there was a lot of good things that I think happened on the field that I was kind of prepared to be encouraged about, even though with the, you know with the result the way it was, and we we kind of got our asses kicked to a certain extent, but there were some signs there that you thought, hey, we could build on this, you know, a good defensive performance, all things considered. Um, great red zone defense, way to stand up, make some play. You know, there there was some stuff that I was kind of encouraged by and um, was thinking maybe we'd have some nice things to talk about. And then, of course, the aftermath, and it just kind of wiped all of that out. And now we're left with just a totally different conversation that I guess we need to have, right? Like it, it – has gone way beyond just the football game and the results of the football game and gone on to, well, a lot more than that. So I don't know. I'll give you my thoughts on it. The aftermath now, as we see it a few days later, is that we have eight suspensions, all of them defensive players. Um, Not that that's the most important piece of information, but I mean, what is it? Jacoby Winman, Brandon Wright, Justin White, and Malcolm Jones was the most recent wave of those suspensions. Um, Angelo Gross, I know a notable defensive player that's also suspended. And that just puts us in a really weird spot right now. Um, again, all of this it, it kind of goes beyond football to a certain extent, I guess. But just looking at the football side of it, man, that could not come at a worse time. It's been a a bad season on the field and you win the double overtime game against Wisconsin and you think, "Hey, maybe we can kind of turn this ship around." You got the bye week, you go into Michigan and you know, "Hey, we all talk ourselves into being able to beat Michigan. We're fans. That's what we do." And I'm sure the players thought damn well that they were going to win that game going into it, but we didn't realistically that's okay. You know, we that's a top five team in the country. You know, you you're not expected to beat them on the road. You you showed enough you show enough signs and maybe, you know, again, you continue kind of turning the ship around as the schedule lightens up a little bit over the next three weeks. But then we're left now, as we speak today, with a really bad start to the season. You know, all in all right now, you're scratching and clawing your way to try to get a bowl game. But here we are, beginning of November, we're three and five. We just had to suspend eight players because they were beating up dudes in the tunnel. It's just now we've gotten to a point where we really start to worry. Um Hey, for all of this that we're saying, and this is something that I think gets lost sometimes, if we somehow go out on win on Saturday, a lot of this is going to get forgiven. You know, if we somehow win three more games to end the year, we're going to forgive a lot of this. I I promise you we are. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I guess that context is always uh, necessary. No, so... To jump into the tunnel thing, we'll rip the band-aid off, I guess. I it's it's a bad look for us. I don't really think there's any way of avoiding that. If if you're somebody who's staunchly defending everything on Twitter, 
it's just, it's a bad look. You got to just acknowledge that. Now, you know, what's the Michigan player doing in the tunnel? What's he doing John in the, in the tunnel to our guys alone with none of his teammates around while all of his teammates are celebrating on the field together? I don't know. Again, you know, it, this is the whole Michigan playing the victim card and people get wrapped up in black and white. This isn't black and white. There's a lot of gray area here that everybody is really happy to ignore, whether you're on the maize and blue side or on the green and white side. And I think we can all just acknowledge what it is. It's a bad look for us. It's a bad look for those players. It's not a great look for, for the Michigan player. The, you know, the, the camera angles that we have now of him skipping into the locker rooms and, and jawing at these guys, we have, you know, some evidence of that. So it wasn't entirely unprovoked, but again, it's just a bad look all around. Um, and I don't, I don't even really want to, to, to dive more into it. I just, I think it's getting blown out of proportion a little bit right people's when Mel Tucker's character is getting questioned because some of his players are knuckleheads I don't agree with that I think that's an idiotic take I saw somebody say Mel Tucker should get suspended there's a certain element of you know attitude reflect leadership captain that um there's a certain amount of yes a under a great leader some things you know probably shouldn't be happening but there's also a reality that these are adults and this is a head coach and a coaching staff who has what 85 scholarship players plus walk-ons a lot of these guys have only been under their control so to speak for a couple months um a year you know, I don't know how much of this you can really rest on the coaching staff who are clearly not instructing their players to be doing things like this. And, and from all we've heard and know, these are good people. These are good men with good families. You know, like this is this isn't the time to be calling the, the coaching staff's question into character because a couple of their players were knuckleheads and. I hate, you know, getting that side of of it roped into everything. That's really frustrating. You got to look at other examples of this, right? I mean, Mark D'Antonio is a great person. He's a great guy. Everybody that knows him says he was a great guy. And that recruiting class, right? Do do we rest that on him because he should be the leader? No. All right. So so that side of it annoyed me, bothered me, is done, right? The people defending Michigan State to their death on, on Twitter because this is all a Michigan problem. Stop. Shut up. It's a bad look for us, and it's an even worse look to be defending it that staunchly. All right? So that's done. Out of the way. Check. Um I don't know, man. I the, the the worst take that I've seen to kind of lighten the mood was um, somebody. I, I I can't pull this up now, but it was that the Michigan Michigan State rivalry should be postponed for five years 
because of this incident. You know, it's, I don't know, man. It is kind of, I've listened to some national podcasts who have had similar takes and regional podcasts who have had similar takes. It's not just an MSU defending MSU thing. You would think that people died. (laughs) I mean, it's, I think it's getting overblown a little bit. And this is part of the reason that I'm just staying as far away from social media as I can. It's a terrible look. It's a terrible thing that they did, but I think we can move on. All right. The kids will get disciplined. However, they get disciplined. They'll get punished. However, they get punished, whether that's the team, the authorities, it'll work itself out and we'll move on. And we'll move on the best way that we can. Um, the hope at the end of this is that, you know, this doesn't lead to a, a downward spiral that has us finishing this season with three wins. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I did want to read Scott's take on this as well. Um, he sent me a text, and I'll just I'll just read it. So from Scott, absolutely unacceptable. Did the tight tunnel and poorly controlled field exit operations play a role? Yes. Did Michigan players put themselves in a bad spot? Yes. Were they looking for trouble? Who knows? But by and large, this is on MSU. It doesn't even need to be said that this can't happen. Worst college football fight I can remember since Miami and FIU. That was, shoot, 10 years ago now. Um, It's a stain on the program. I know these guys are young and emotions were really high and they may have all been goaded, uh, but they're adults and need to be need to act like adults and be held accountable like adults. Uh, from a football perspective, it's going to be a hell of a distraction and a blow to personnel as we try to scratch out a bowl game. Um, now that this is a few days behind us and the emotional side has kind of uh, slowly evaporated, I guess, that's the one thing that I keep thinking about, man. It's... This, just like I said at the beginning, is couldn't come at a worse time. As your team is, you know, again, finally turned the corner against Wisconsin. You think things are going well. You get into the bye week. And then immediately it's just like this, you fall off a cliff. It's not, it's not one step forward, two steps back. It's one step forward and falling backwards and rolling down a hill. It's, it's just the worst possible timing on this as you head on the road now to Champaign without eight defensive players, multiple starters. You got to somehow win three of these games to get to a bowl game. You have Indiana and Rutgers coming up after this, but Illinois is a 17-point favorite right now, you know. It's, it's bad. So... I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to, we'll move on. We'll move on. I will talk about the football game a little bit here. Again, it's, it seems like just something that I don't think people even really want to hear anymore. I don't know. I I think everybody kind of wants to move on. Um, or maybe that's just me reflecting onto other people, but I kind of want to move on. Uh, the game. So the offense was terrible. The offense was dreadful. Um, I don't understand what we're doing here with with Jay Johnson, with the the play calling, the play designs. 
you have something that works and it seems like you just refuse to go to it. You have the most predictable offense snap by snap. I can tell you three seconds before the ball is snapped exactly what we're doing on 60% of plays. And that's not even really an exaggeration. It's it, There's no creativity. There's no imagination. There's no flow. There's no rhythm. It's just jamming round pegs into square holes over and over and over and over again, running these stupid inside zones on first down. When you're down multiple scores, I, I don't understand it. You have a wide receiver with five catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. And the other guy opposite him can't get more than four catches for 17 yards. You you can't use Coleman later on in the game as a decoy to open up Reed a little bit more and get them both going. It just seems like Jay Johnson has just this limited set of 25 plays, and no matter what is going on in the game, he just closes his eyes and picks one. And it's it's getting really frustrating, man, because I, I don't think the offense should be this bad. I don't think it should be top of the league because our offensive line personnel-wise is certainly holding us back, but it shouldn't be this bad. There's enough pieces here to have a productive offense. There are offensive coordinators out there who would dream to work with this offense because there are some really, really bad offenses out there. There are teams with bad quarterbacks, without a ton of skill talent, you know, with bad offensive lines, we have a, a pretty bad offensive line. I'll give you that. But we've got two NFL skill guys and what should be an above average power five quarterback. That alone, you should make it work. All right. If you are worth your a damn as an offensive coordinator, you should make that work. And again, I'm not asking for top of the league. I'm asking for top third of the league. Top half at the leaf of the league minimum. It's just getting so frustrating because sometimes it works because of the talent, but it's never really worked because of Jay Johnson's play calling. And I'm getting really sick of that. Scott mentioned that Thorne was really struggling to elevate the play of the guys around him, which I think is a good point. Um, very rarely does he really put the ball in a great spot for run after the catch which is something I've noted recently. Um, you know, the the slant pass is a little behind the guy to where he has to kind of catch it and go down. Stuff like that, that he, he, he really hasn't made everybody around him great at the way a great quarterback would. But, I mean, he mentioned it as well. This offensive line is just getting crushed, especially this week. And, and the backs had no holes to run through. And these guys aren't Kenneth Walker, right? They're not good enough to to improvise as Scott puts it, but just to kind of get more creative with the cutbacks and finding spots and, and slipping tackles. These guys aren't that good to be able to do that. They need a hole to work with. And, and we're, when we're not able to provide it, you might as well just stop trying to run the football, especially against a, a defense this good. So that side of it just sucked. Defensively, though, I mean, they did exactly what we said on, on the preview podcast, right? With our guys healthy, with Xavier Henderson back in and with Jacob Slade back in, 
just give us a chance. Give us a chance to win the game. And they absolutely did that. They stood up in the red zone. They made some plays, forced a fumble. What did we say? Less than 30 points and a turnover? I I think that's exactly what we said. You get a turnover and 29 points. They kind of did their job as far as I'm concerned. They were put in bad spots all day because the offense couldn't stay on the field. And and you know what? They they held their own. Um, the There are still some questionable personnel issues, especially now coming out of the game. Uh, because of the suspensions, you have no Angelo Gross, who was starting to really turn it on as a, as a nickel guy once they've switched positions with him. Um, Jacoby Winman, same deal. He might be the best player on defense, uh, the last, you know, the, over the course of this season. I don't really know how a lot of this translates moving forward because of the guys that will be missing. Does Kimbrough come back and, and play in Gross's spot? Um, do we really kind of stick with this four, three thing or, or was that really only doable because of Jacoby Winman? Van Sumeren's been banged up, so if he's back, is he just getting inserted back into the lineup there? And and who's playing the edge? Are those guys back? I mean, there are so many questions that won't really be answered until the ball kicks off in Champagne on Saturday. But man, I got a lot of questions about what's going on on defense. I mean, in in this game again, they stood up well. Um, that Schoonmaker tight end was killing us all game. It's it's those little soft spots in the middle that have been killing us for two years now, but they were taking advantage of it. Um, I mean, even special teams wasn't good, man. Obviously the long snapping, but even Bryce Berenger, like earlier in the game, just had a couple not great punts. Special teams is, I mean, we can't kick. It's it's certainly a problem right now. Um, I don't know, man. It's just really frustrating to take what was finally a glimmer of hope against Wisconsin and a glimmer of optimism and, and pride and just throw that all down the toilet with the on the field and the off the field performance on, on Saturday. So I don't know, I guess that's the recap. We'll, we'll kind of turn our eyes towards the Illinois preview here for the last 20 minutes or so. Before we do, of course, uh, our friends at DraftKings, I think they have this right now. The last I saw this morning, 17 points that we are underdogs in Champagne. If you would have said that at the beginning of the year, I wonder what DraftKings would have given you on that. And an early line look ahead. They, they do some of that for, I know DraftKings does this a lot for the big games. Um, preseason, you, you could put a bet down in July for Michigan, Ohio State, for Alabama, LSU. You know, they, they'll pick 50 or so games and, and give you an early line so that they can get some more action on it. If you would have gotten this line in July, you what? Illinois is getting picked to win four or five games. Michigan State's getting picked to win seven to nine. This would have been probably Michigan State favored by a touchdown, 10 points. Now we're 17 point dogs. What a season this has been, uh, unfortunately. So you can always head over to DraftKings. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. 
And in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So you could do a little Thursday night football. You can do a little Maction stepped-up same-game parlay. And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Speaking of that, I do have, uh, if you're listening to this before Maction kicks off, that means uh, you are very dedicated to getting this as soon as it hits the feed. But I got Northern Illinois and Western Michigan tonight. I hit on Ohio and ball state last night so good start to action download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code tppn for the pigskin podcast network of which we're a proud member to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins just place a five dollar bet on any football game only at DraftKings sportsbook using code tppn minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details All right, so turning the page, we're going to look ahead to Illinois. I know, obviously, usually these are two separate episodes, but, hey, we have jobs, we're busy. Um, Putting it together into one, like I said, this we're 17-point underdogs in Champaign, which is crazy to me, uh, if you would have said that at the beginning of the season. So I wanted to start, so our friend Big Kurt, he is one of the co-hosts of the eyes on big podcast which we reference many times great show um he is on twitter at b1g like big 10 kurt he is an illinois guy but uh he is he is a great guy and a great follow and he gave me a ton of good stuff about illinois kind of from their perspective because i've been watching this team pretty closely all year been pretty fun to watch great defense great run game but i i, I did want to know his thoughts going into to this game and and to summarize a little bit um, of the things that were really interesting and I'll I'll kind of bring up some of the other stuff as we go through this some matchup wise but there were a couple things that stood out you know so if you've been paying to attention at all to Illinois you know that they're off to a great start this season they have very they have exceeded the wildest of expectations for that uh, program right now. They're seven and one. They are in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West. And they're doing it largely because of an outstanding defense that's ranked in the top three or five nationally in basically every statistic. And an outstanding run game led by Chase Brown, who has twelve hundred yards on the year. Our leading rusher, Jalen Berger, has 384. Chase Brown has 1,200. Um, and transfer Tommy DeVito from Syracuse. I mean, we kind of mocked Tommy DeVito going to Syracuse in our uh, Big Ten preview pod. Like, Tommy DeVito. I've seen that kid at Syracuse. He's got 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, playing really good football for them. Um, can do a little bit on the ground as well. And I was curious with Big Kurt going into this one because I'm like, man, you guys are flying high. You are, you have all the momentum in the world. You obviously, are, again, like we mentioned, are are in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West. Vibes are high down in Champaign, and you catch us in basically a downward spiral. I mean, the thought for Illinois fans has to be let's just kind of win this one going away and move on to next week. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And um, I don't know. I, I guess maybe it's the the cynical side of people, but uh, you know they'll always find a a reason to be nervous about their team, which I understand. As I start to uh, lose my voice here, but there were a couple things I, I guess that really stood out. Um, one thing, you know, as we look for how co- how we could win this game, which is what we'll focus on here. He did mention number one, Illinois doesn't blow anybody out. Um, so these games are often pretty close. They're they're played with a relatively slow pace, right? So there isn't a, a ton of blowout potential. They're not throwing fifty yards down the field. So um, as long as you can kind of hang around, that always gives you a shot when it is a close game. Um, he he was kind of nervous as well with defensively. The scheme is great. The players are great. There's there's NFL talent on that defense. Um, lots of blitzes, man coverage, but. He's he is kind of waiting for that offensive coordinator to to crack the code, so to speak. Um, waiting for that one guy to just kind of figure it out and pick him apart, kind of the way that like Ohio State did with um, Don Brown at Michigan, right? Those Michigan defenses dominated everybody they played until they played the the team who cracked the code with those crossing routes and everything, and it just absolutely fell to pieces. So maybe he's a little worried about that. Um, Kurt, if you're listening, I wouldn't be so worried. I don't think this is the offensive coordinator to crack that code. But um, special teams is relatively weak. The The kicker is injured. The punter had a really bad start to the season um, and, and still is nowhere near the top of the conference. So special teams are, are an area. You know, there's a three-phase game. One of the phases that that we might even have an advantage, although our special teams has been pretty damn bad as well. Uh, but the last thing was that their defense is is really talented again, but a little thin. Um, so if you know if we can keep them on the field, if we can sustain some drives, maybe there's an opportunity for us. But um, I mean, Johnny Newton on defense, they've got some NFL players. Sidney Brown at safety is an NFL dude. Devon Witherspoon at corner is an NFL dude. Uh, this isn't just kind of cute Illinois story, uh, spark magic at the right time. This is this is a talented team with talented football players, all right? So don't, don't make any mistakes about that. They're rushing for 200 yards a game. They're giving up 75 rushing yards a game. They're passing for 223. They're giving up 172 through the air. If you're giving up less than 200 yards a game through the air in this era of college football, you are doing something right, and they are holding opponents under nine points a game. Again, you're doing that in this era of college football. You're doing something right. So for me, I mean, look, it it comes down to an off-the-field thing. Right, this game more than any other game that I can really remember all comes down to mentality and mindset. Because if Michigan State comes into this game not really interested in playing football because of the uh, circumstances that are happening around the team right now, this game could get ugly quick. All right, because these are these are the kind of games you know where. There are some potential blowouts against passing teams where, you know, eventually they'll just kind of call off the dogs and start running the ball. When there's blowout potential against a running team, what do they do when they want to just slow the game down and, and kind of run out the clock? 
they keep running the football. I mean, you know, so if you can't stop the run and your and your players are mentally not in the game, if they're if your players are mentally not there, there's you have no chance in hell of stopping the run. Stopping the run is first and foremost a mentality. All right. And if your defense doesn't have a mentality today, you're not going to stop the run. And when you're playing against a team that can pound the rock the way that Illinois does, you're never going to stop them. They're going to score on every drive. So I said this, if this is a Michigan State team that's going to come into this game divided, that's going to come into this game not focused, that's going to come into this game not prepared, there is some serious blowout potential. I'm talking like 42 to 3 type of just zombie walking the way through a total beatdown. That potential is certainly there. Um, whereas if Michigan State uses this, galvanizes, you know, everybody comes together singing kumbaya in the locker room, it's us against the world, then, hey, you never know what can happen, right? I mean, the you never want to approach somebody backed up into a corner. That's when people are the most dangerous. This is about as backed into a corner as you could possibly get in this sport you are you have three wins it's november you're a team that was projected to easily make a bowl game after winning new year's six bowl last year you just suspended eight of your players for uh for beating up a a player after a game you lost to your rival by three touchdowns Things are not looking good right now, all right? So if you're ever backed into a corner, Michigan State football right now is backed into a corner. And it's a situation that really none of us have experienced and and know how to handle because we've never had to handle something like this. And and I'm sure Mel Tucker is thinking the same thing, like, damn, I never had to deal with it. There's There's nothing in the rule book that says here's how you handle this. There's nothing in the uh, the coaching 101 for dummies um, book that tells you how to deal with this situation, right? And you just kind of hope he's the right guy to, to weather the storm. You hope he's the right guy to, to guide the ship through the night. Um, and I think he is. I, I do. I think he is that kind of guy. I think he is that kind of leader that if anybody's going to kind of drag us out of this thing, it's going to be Mel Tucker and his neutral thinking and and that type of mindset can prevail here. I think he's the right guy to to provide that message. It's a tough spot, man, and these these are still kids. We forget sometimes that these are not NFL professionals. These are kids, man. These are 19-year-old kids, a lot of them, right? 18-year-old kids. Um emotions are a part of college football and that that's what makes it so great right that's what makes it so fun that's what makes it so different from the NFL the NFL's a business you listen to those guys when they're retired and they're talking about stories from their playing days and everything like one of the things that they always say the the biggest difference between college and the NFL where when college when you lose a game that locker room is a cemetery. It's a graveyard, man. People are down. People are, are not talking or or the opposite. People are fighting. People are, are emotional. In the NFL, you come in, 
you know, you kind of rub the dirt off and you collect your paycheck and you move on to, to practice on Monday, right? It's, it's just college, it's so much more emotional because you're young and more emotional, um, which makes it more exciting. It makes it more interesting, but it also makes it a lot more difficult to round up the troops, so to speak, in these type of spots. So football-wise, that's the non-football thing, and that's what decides the game for me. Again, if if we're ready to play, if we're prepared, if we're focused, then we'll give ourselves a chance. If we're not, this is, I mean, call it off in the first quarter. Uh, if if we can see early that guys aren't into this thing, it's it's a wrap. All right, but on the field, um, you know, to go over some of the stuff that, that I glossed over, personnel on defense, what's that going to look like? That's the biggest thing that I'm looking for. Without Jacoby Winman, who's playing edge, who's playing linebacker, how are we lining up there, right? Without Angelo Gross, is Kimbrough back in the middle, in, in the nickel? It, what are we doing there? Um Justin White's gone, so that's another potential nickel guy that you're missing out on. So, I, I mean, Kimbrough probably has to play. I, I don't really think there's any any way around it without Justin White and Angela Gross. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious how we are lining up throughout the, the day on defense, and I don't even really know how to project our defense against their offense because I have no idea what our defense is going to look like. Um, but they better be ready to stop the run. Chase Brown might get the ball 45 times because he's been doing that every other game this year. Uh, and, and Tommy DeVito, again, at quarterback is no slouch. He's, he's not going to beat you over the top. He's not going to throw for 300 yards. But, um, I mean, I think last week he was 21 for 23. I mean, he's, he's leading an efficient offense right now. So the defense better be ready to play. Um, and offensively, again, we're going against one of the best defenses in the country right now with the way that they're playing with legit NFL talent. Uh, and like Big Kurt said, on the outside, at corner too. So if you're able to neutralize Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed on the outside, why should I have any faith that we're going to be able to move the ball with any sort of uh, consistency, right? Maybe this is the Daniel Barker game against his old team, the revenge against the Illini. I don't know. I'm sure he wishes he was still in Champaign right now. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a Malik Carr breakout game, but I don't see us able to run the football against Illinois in that front seven. And Illinois' pass defense, I think, is better than their run defense. So why should I have any faith that this pass def- passing offense excuse me, and Peyton Thorne are suddenly going to erupt for 350 yards? I-, I don't really see why I should expect that. So I don't know, man. I- I don't- <laughs> As you can probably hear, I'm not feeling good about this game. I- there's just bad vibes right now. Uh, but I hope you appreciate uh, the episode. Again, apologize for... Uh, being on my own and late and everything involved with this week. I just, honestly, I I kept, there would be little pockets of time and I was like, I just don't want to talk about this. I don't want to do this. This was just one of those weeks where I just wanted to avoid it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I love doing the podcast, even, even as the season is going poorly. Like I enjoy hopping on here with Scott and talking about it and and the interaction with you guys on social media. I really do enjoy it. 
But after that on Saturday, I was just like, I'm to, I just want to crawl into a cave for a week, come out after Illinois, and then kind of recalibrate, right? But it's the world we're living in, I guess. Um, stay off of social media. I don't know. I've been doing the best I can. I'm advising you guys to do the same. Until uh, we'll see about the picks on Friday, honestly. Um, I'll, maybe I'll do the same thing as I did last week and just pop it out real quick on my own. Um, or if Scott is feeling better by then, maybe we'll get him involved. Uh, either way, we'll talk to you guys soon. I hope you have uh, a good middle to end of the week here. And uh, let's let's pick our heads up a little bit, right? Listen to a nice uh, motivational speech or something. Uh, I don't know. Get get the vibes up because uh, vibes are low over here. So hope everybody has a good week. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.